Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. Together, this is our Thanksgiving Sunday. Um, this morning, is going the emphasis is on, on the story in people's lives and on what God has done. We've got um, some video testimonies to share that have been recorded. We've got some people who are going to be sharing live uh, this morning as well. And so I just want to encourage you as a team, we want to encourage you to to not look at these stories and, and go, oh, you know, that could never happen for me. Or this story just could just highlight that that didn't happen for me and God doesn't see my life. You know, uh, the Bible says in Revelation that the, the, uh, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I want you to take, I want to encourage you to take these stories of promise for your own life and to declare them out that this is, this is going to be my breakthrough. This is going to be my story. This is, this is, God's got a good plan. He's got my life in his hands. And so um, it's going to be awesome. I want you to celebrate these moments. Let's celebrate. For those who are sharing live, just encourage these guys who are stepping up today. It's not usual for them to hold a microphone. And so let's just be family today. Let's put a smile on your face and, uh, and, and, just, and just enjoy this morning. So the first person who's going to be sharing today, this is our video testimony. Um, this, is gonna, this is Gary Clements. He's amazing. And, and this is an, a testimony that happened this year. Um, just a few weeks ago, he just shared his salvation testimony uh, with me that happened around 1980. And I was like, this is too good not to share. So let's enjoy listening to Gary right now. Check out the big screen. This happened many years ago. I was living in Brisbane, Australia. I got a phone call from my mum who lived in Christchurch. I kind of figure you know where that is. And she asked if she could come over for a holiday. Well, most of us are like the rest of us. And my, I love my mum greatly. And I know she didn't have to ask. However, she said there was a proviso that I must take her to church, even if it be but once. And I said, that's okay. I'm not scared of church. In the five years preceding that phone call, I'd been to church five times. I think it was three christenings and two weddings. And so when she came over, she decided in her infinite wisdom that it would be better for me to go to the 6 p.m. session. But at 4.30, I got a phone call from my work saying they needed me to come in at 6 o'clock. I was supposed to start work that night at 10, but there was only two people on our shift who could do the particular job that needed to be done, and I'm the worst liar in the world, and I tried to make up a lie. I said, oh, sorry, I've been drinking, I can't come. And they said, that's okay, we'll send a taxi for you and send you home in a taxi. And I said, no, I haven't been drinking, I had to go. And I thought my mother would be absolutely overwhelmed the fact that I couldn't go. But she said, oh, that's okay, it just wasn't meant to be today. But the next Sunday, she decided she wasn't waiting for the evening session, would go to the morning session. And my wife had cooked us a beautiful cooked breakfast of sausages and bacon and eggs, and I was tucking into that when all of a sudden I got hit by this wall of fear. And I thought I was going to throw up. And I thought, well, no, unless I'm physically throwing up, I'm going to push through and go to church. And when we got to this church, it was so different to anything I'd ever known. You see, I'd gone to a Presbyterian church. In a Presbyterian church, you can hear a pin drop. And even in the foyer this day, there was people wildly greeting one another with hugs and kisses, and kids were running and playing, shrieking and laughing. 
and something inside of me went, yes. And then we started with praise and worship and there was guitars and drums and there was even a small brass section. And again, something inside of me went, yes. And then the pastor got up to preach. He said, I'm gonna to preach today on depression. And I went, wow, I'd never heard a preach on something that was practicable. It was all just biblical stories. You see, I'd suffered from depression like you wouldn't believe. Depression's so strong, it shut me down from functioning as a human being. I wasn't capable of completing this most simplest task. And he said, to have a healthy mind, you needed love flowing in and love flowing out. And he gave the analogy that in Israel, there's two seas, there's the Sea of Galilee. It has the Jordan flowing in and the Jordan flowing out. And it's teemed with fish and it's fed the people on its shores for thousands of years. The other sea is the Dead Sea. It has the Jordan flowing in, but there's no outlet. And as you know, it's so concentrated with salts and minerals, nothing but nothing can live in it. And then he did something I wasn't prepared for, something I didn't expect. He gave an altar call. And in this altar call, you had to get up off your blessed assurance and walk up to the altar. And he knew I was gonna go. But before I could move, the devil appeared. And he had a four-ton wooden span and he slapped it on my shoulders, whoop. And then he pulled a nail gun off his belt and he put a six-inch nail through each foot, through my hands, and I was pinned there in my chair. I couldn't move. I was trying as hard as I could to get up off the chair and go, but I couldn't. And I thought, how do I get out of this predicament? If I tell the people around me, well, then there'd be little men in little white coats would come with a straight jacket and take me away to the funny farm and I'd spend the rest of my life twiddling my fingers and toes. And the preacher kept calling and he kept calling and he kept calling and he kept calling. And I wanted to go. And then eventually my mum turned to me. She put a hand on my arm and she said, son, would you like to go? And as soon as the hand of a righteous woman touched me, that four ton wooden span was ripped off my shoulders. And it landed somewhere out in the Tasman Sea. The nails shot out like bullets. They're not even in the Milky Way any longer. They're light years away. And I stood up. My heart was pounding so strong, I thought it was gonna pop the wax out of my ears. My lungs were like overinflated balloons in danger of bursting. And I'd say I walked, but I didn't because my feet weren't even on the ground. I believe I was carried by angels. And the church burst into applause. And it, but that ceased before I got to the altar. And I heard this other cheering, more wild and madly excited, vigorous than I'd ever heard before. And I knew it was the heaven cheering me, the angels and the saints. And I thought, wow, there's some rotten, dirty, low-down mongrel sinner giving their life today. And I'm peeking sideways thinking, I'll bet you it's got to be a hell's angel. And I say to my shame, honey, I don't have any of that because someone took that all away. It wasn't hours, it wasn't days, it wasn't even weeks. But it was months later I got the revelation I shouldn't have been peeking sideways. I should have been looking straight ahead in the mirror. But it made me wonder, why did heaven cheers that day? Was it because they couldn't believe I'd give my life to the Lord? I didn't buy that. I believe it was because I've got a destiny in Christ that's so wonderful, that's why they cheered. You see, 
Since that day I gave my life in 1981, I have not had one second of depression. Look, I can raise my hand to the Lord. I can even dance because the chains and the shackles of Paul come off. Let the glory be to God. And as I say in the name of Jesus, forever and ever and ever. And if that's not quite long enough, amen again. Come on. Isn't that, isn't that just so awesome? And we see Gary every, every Sunday here, and we have no idea what God has done in his life, you know, and continue to do over the years. And I, and I bet there's so many other people with stories like that. Our salvation story is, is a golden nugget. It really is. And if you're here today and you're wondering about, you know, what does it mean to be a Christian? We're going to give an opportunity at the end of this uh, service for you to take a step towards Jesus this morning. Um, I love what Gary said about his journey out of depression as well. From that moment on, and maybe that's for someone here today, even if you've been a Christian all your life and you still struggle with depression, God wants to set you free. He wants the chain of despair to be broken off you, to, for you to come into a whole new era of joy. You know, the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And that's, that's for you. That's a word for you this morning. Awesome. Hey, well, I want to now invite up Hope White. Uh, let's put our hands together. She's got an incredible testimony to share with us. Um, and one of the catalysts was at our church conference. So awesome to have you here, Hope. Just a quick question. Are there tissues anywhere? <laughs> I was already crying listening to that testimony. I was like, oh my goodness, it's so beautiful. That I was like, mm, I probably get some tissues for myself. Thank you, Kerry, you're amazing. Um, wow, how good was that, right? How good is it to hear those kind of stories and just like see how real God is like right now? Like that is just so cool. Um, so I was asked to share about the conference and I don't know how many here went to conference, but if there's another one, go. Be the first on the list. Like, you don't want to not go. Um, I went to conference under the impression that I was going to learn. And I was like, yep, got my book, ready to learn, got my pen, going to write some notes, learn about Jesus, it's going to be great. Um, and before I went to conference, I felt so strongly, Holy Spirit say to me, I want you to sing in Te Reo Māori at the church. And I was like, no, that's, no. And um, the Holy Spirit just kept going on. No, no, I want you to sing in Māori. And I was like, no, no, that's rude. Um, they've got an agenda. I'll just, no. And to give you some context, I'm part Māori and I'm part Pākehā. And I was raised in a town that was predominantly Māori. And unfortunately, they were very racist towards Pākehā people, including my mum. So I experienced a lot of racism towards my Pākehā side. And then I moved down here. And I was too Māori. And I experienced racism towards my Māori side. And I was like, oh, that's just fantastic. Um, the problem being is it made me push down a lot of my culture and the identity that Christ had given me in that, I had just dismissed. It just wasn't important. Who cares? Um, and so I've, most of my life's been like that. So when God said to me, I want you to sing in church, I want you to do a karanga in church, I was like, no, no, crazy. And um, we came to church and we had the most incredible experience of freedom in this church. The conference, the beginning of it was just so amazing because it really challenged you on wanting to share your faith with other people. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's so cool. And I think it was 
Was it the first lunchtime? No, it was the second lunchtime. The first day, God gave me a word for somebody next to me, and I was like, I can't share that because I thought it was a very mean word, but I shared it, and it had an incredible impact on that person, and I was like, well, that's cool because it made no sense to me. I've come to realise that that's quite common. Um, and then the second day, um, we just before, I think it was at the lunchtime service, we were um, at the park, and this woman... She had had a birthday party for her daughter and only one person had turned up. And so she actually started blessing us and bringing over cakes and just all this incredibleness. And I was just dwelling on the incredible service we had just had. We had just heard Matt talk about how he had been given this gift, this precious baby. And I imagined, as we're going through listening to him speak, I was imagining this beautiful baby. And when it was revealed that it was yourself, I realized how cruel I had been to myself and how God actually wanted to call that out of me, all those lies. Um, And the person that he saw me as was totally opposite to what I was speaking over myself. And um, during the worship, I got to see this incredible picture of him. And it was just, it was so mind-blowing to think that he would even grace me with that. You know, I just, I wasn't worthy in my mind at all. Um, And anyway, I ended up praying for this woman and I went back into the service thinking, God, what have you got planned for us? And he goes, I want you to sing in Māori. And I was like, no, that's rude. And we were in the worship. I remember I was sitting just over there where I think Dan's sitting. And um, God kept going, I want you to sing in Māori. And I was like, no. And then I think it was Abby and she said, I think there are people who need to come up and surrender some stuff at the altar. And God had reminded me of um, some, like a seed that he's placed in my heart to, to go to my hometown. And my husband and I weren't quite on agreement. And so I was like, I'm going to go and I'm going to surrender that because he'll do something with it. I, I don't know what's going on there. I was here to learn. No notes have been taken. <laughs> and... I went up to the front and I sat next to Renee and I was like, oh, really want to sit next to her, she's so cool. And um, I was just, I was so soaked in worship and just so soaked in the Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit was like, sing in Māori and I was like, okay, so I'll sing it really quietly because I didn't want anyone to hear me and I didn't want to disrupt the worship going on here. And I heard so clearly, sing louder and I was like, no, 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 that's rude, no sing louder and I'm like I'm singing loudly it's okay I want you to sing louder I was like no 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 it's okay and then I get a tap on my shoulder and I didn't realize I sat next to Glenn and Glenn's like hey hope I was like yeah (laughs) and he's like I really think that you need to welcome the Holy Spirit in in Tito Māori and I was like you know what Glenn that's all good I'm already having this conversation like we're fine I got you don't worry about it. I'm not going to disturb this. And he's like, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Hang on a second. Deb, get her a microphone. I was like, no, 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 not a microphone. Are you crazy? That's like, to, just, just to give you some context, I didn't need a microphone. I'm pretty loud. Okay. Um, but he gave me one anyway. And I'm sitting there like, are you serious? And couldn't help but just cry my heart out. And the free, I, I, distinctly remember at the end of it saying a big thank you because the freedom that God had shown me to have my culture in this church, to be able to speak to Reo Māori in this church was just mind-boggling because I had gone my whole life thinking that it wasn't important and he was like, no, that is a lie that has been spoken over you. It is so important. Don't you dare disregard that culture of yours. 
And I couldn't believe it because not only was he saying that, but everyone here was saying that in this church. Everyone stood up in agreement. I had people left, right and centre going, thank you so much for doing that. Thank you. And I was like, thank, thank you for letting me. I really appreciate it. They're like, no, 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 thank you. And I'm like, this is not what I have been taught and conditioned to believe that my culture is supposed to be a part of this church. And I, I've come to realise since then, and there's so much more that he's done since then. But I know I've only got four minutes and I don't know how long I've been. But I've come to realise that our culture and our identity, we need to honour that part that is actually gifted to us for a reason. And it's not just, it's not something to be dismissed. And, and that we've got to honour every part of what he's given us. We've got to honour that precious baby that he's given to us that is ourselves because it's, it's, you wouldn't speak to a baby half the things that what we speak to ourselves. And you wouldn't dismiss that baby's culture. You'd want to honour it and teach it and nurture it. And it's the same with the culture that he's given me that I've unintentionally turned my back on. I need to honour that. And there's some beauty in that that he wants in this church and he wants in our, in our New Zealand. And that restoration needs to come there so we can see a real revival in our people and it, my husband said it, there's going to be a marriage between Māori and Pākehā people that God is just going to on, honour that covenant. And I was just blown away. And since then, he's been working little bits and pieces in my life, way too much to say in, in, in such a small time frame, um, that's highlighted that he's on the move now. He's not something that you read in the Bible and you think, man, that was so cool what he did there. Oh, wow. He's on the move right now. He has been on the move. He's on the move and he's going ahead of us with whatever he's got planned and we need to trust in that. And he did that in that conference where he restored that in me. And it was just so wonderful. Yeah. I love the beauty of what Hope has just shared about finding her identity, but not just finding it, but treasuring it, treasuring who God's made her to be. And there's a background story to what Hope shared as well from Glenn and my perspective that I just want to give you a little snippet. Um, so probably for the last year, God's been speaking to both Glenn and I, and it's kind of, I guess it's rising across this nation on how important the Māori people are in releasing the next move of God and releasing what God wants to do in this nation. So we've kind of just been holding this in our hearts and praying into that. And before conference started, I remember thinking, oh, it's just so good to have somebody do a welcome in te reo or a karakia or something, you know, just just something. Um, and, but then it, I think that was maybe on the Friday. I was like, oh, it's too short notice to make that happen. And then... Fast forward to the service that Hope's talking about and, uh, and Glenn leans over to me and goes, we really need to welcome the Holy Spirit and today who could do that? I'm like, Hope's right next to you. And then, and then like we could not have orchestrated what happened in that moment. It was just the Holy Spirit at work and the freedom that was released into this place and um, I think the unity of what, what happened and what you did um, and... Yeah, just absolutely amazing. And we're excited for you. I'm really excited about you finding your voice, um, not only as a Pākehā, but also um, as Māori as well. And just what you're going to continue to release here, but into this nation as well. And so just for each one of us as well, as you're listening to this, there might be parts of you that kind of feel fragmented or that feel like, 
I, yeah, the, I kind of, I can accept this part of me, but I'm, I'm not sure about this bit, or I don't know how it all joins together. Just keep doing what Hope's talking about and surrendering it to God, surrendering it to God, and believing for him to do what he wants to do into you in your life and to just strengthen your identity, strengthen who you are, because he made you fearfully and wonderfully just as he wanted you to be made. Um, church, I just wonder if you could just get to your feet one more time. I just want to honor Hope um, again. And yeah, you're amazing. Thank you. So good. I love Thanksgiving Sunday. It is fantastic. Like Glenn said, just keep, as these testimonies are shared, just go, yep, God, I want that for myself. Actually, Hope shared another testimony with me, a financial one, a few weeks ago. I haven't told her this. And I think it was like last week or the week before, um, I just felt, actually, I need to claim her testimony and go, God, you've done that for her. Can you do it for me? A couple of days later, we saw the breakthrough we were looking for. So I just want to say, yeah, claim these testimonies. Go, God, you've done it for them. Do it for me. Like Glenn said, releasing of prophecy. Right, another testimony. We're going to check out the big screen again. This is the incredible John Delmeda, and he's just sharing a testimony about his journey with God this year around healing and, and the miracles that God released into his life through the process as well. Let's check it out. This has been an awesome year for me. So let me tell you about that part of it because I think that's what I want to share most. Um, I got a job. I'm 68. Um, and we'd come back to, to Christchurch to be near grandkids and near our kids and, and pretend to be deer farmers and, and that's kind of been a real big pretend. And then all of a sudden I'm now working for a Christian Education Trust which is a pretty neat job. And then I've had this heart thing which I didn't even know about. So I've got a really neat doctor and she's, she's a bit of a nutter and throws her arms around and kicks her feet up and carries on. She said, John, you've got this weird sound in your heart. And I said, yeah, yeah, I've always had that. Um, no, not a problem, you know. And, she, and it turns out I was born with this defect, a valve defect. And I think there seems to be hundreds of people who have had that. But apparently when you're really young, if, if you get um, uh, chicken pox or something, it can also occur. But I was born with it. Um, and so I ignored it. And I lived in Hong Kong for... Uh, 13 years with Bobsy and the doctors there said oh no you need open heart surgery and you got to this and you got to that well that kind of doesn't engender much confidence in you you kind of think I don't know about that and I've always run and jogged and done exercise and done crazy stuff and adventure stuff all my life so I took no notice anyway my doctor here the crazy one she said let me just listen to your heart she said oh my goodness that's really sounding bad can you go in for tests to which I said, nah, because you know what the result of a test is. If it's bad, you've got to go do something, and I didn't want to. Anyway, um, prayed about it, I, I guess, kind of. When I say prayed about it, I'm not a super spook with it. It was like, God, yeah, we've got this going on. Is that okay? And he said, no, go and have the test. Hmm. So I went and had the test, and my heart had grown three times size that it should be because of all the pressure from coping with it. And, of course, you don't know. And, and because you had it all your life, you just treated it as normal. Anyway, they said, well, look, you better go and have this uh, uh, valve replacement fast because you could actually, it could implode or whatever it does, and you'd be in a very serious way. And I thought, well, that's not very fair to family and, and everything else that's going on. So we booked in, and during COVID, 
they um, in Christchurch Hospital. What they did was um, allocated these wards and I made it all kind of isolation ready, but nothing happened in Christchurch, as you know. So they had all these medical people on standby. So they rang up and said, look, do you want to come in and have the operation? And I said, well, actually no, but, but what a good idea. So I was in there four days um, and they zip you up with a, with a saw or whatever they do, replace the valve, out it comes. Before I went in, I was a little kind of anxious, as you might imagine. And online, there's so many online opportunities now for worship, especially during COVID. And you all know about um, Matt Lansdowne from Bethel Whangarei. They had an online thing, and, and he has a real ministry area around heart issues, because I think his brother had a heart issue, and they prayed about it and had a real good result. So, hey, Matt, I've got to go in and have this thing. And he doesn't know who I am, of course. <laughs> so over the, uh, on the online situation, he just made declarations for a supernatural healing. There's the testimony. I'm in there four days. This is not my bag, you know, lying in hospital, a whole lot of sick people. You come out of um, the operation, you go into ICU. It's horrific for me because it's just unknown. And some people are comfortable with that, but I wasn't. So I had this big zipper all the way up here and tubes everywhere. Just imagine where those tubes go beside your face. Not a comfortable situation. Four days later, I'm packing up and going home. And and the surgeon came and she said, this is amazing. What a fantastic recovery. Anyway, I get home um, and that's kind of like played with puzzles for three months because you can't do much else. I'm sitting on the farm thinking there's a million things to do, but didn't get to do them. Um, anyway, check up with the cardiologist. I go in there, she said, you know what, John? I've never ever seen, because you have to have all these other x-rays and stuff as a post-op. And she said, I've never seen this happen. It's come all the way back down to the size it should be. It's as if it never happened. Now, come on. If that ain't God, what is? And I'm not I'm one of those people who just say, when everything works out well, it's God. When it's not, oh, we'll put up with it. This was terrific, because this is what was prophesied, that I would have this terrific healing. And I have. You know, it's as if it never happened. And that was just back earlier this year. And I'm back throwing stuff around on the farm and doing whatever I had to do. Come on. Isn't that awesome? Hey, if you're here right now and you need healing in some kind of way as a step of faith, can you just put your hand up? You're just looking for healing in any way, whether it's eyesight, pain, just something that's gone on for years, um, you've got a cold or a headache right now. Just pop your hand up. We're just going to, that's, yep, cool. Okay, so if you haven't got your hand out, let's just Turn around, find someone to stretch out a hand towards, your faith towards right now, and we're just going to release that testimony of healing as a spirit of prophecy right now for all sickness in this room. Jesus, so just start praying, church. You can just speak in your heavenly language and, and just, declare, um, just declare healing right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We just release the gift of healing. God, we thank you for this gift that is a gift to be given. And so we release the, the promise of that gift and the, and the consequence of that gift that is given into every sickness, ailment, um, anything that's out of line, God. We just release healing into emotional health and well-being. We release healing into that as well, God. We just say bodies come into order with heaven's realm in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 
In Jesus' name. And we just thank you for your word that says those who lay hands on the sick shall recover. And so we speak that promise of recovery right now to, to begin. Recovery to begin in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Awesome. What a great healing story. And let's just put our hands together and honor John. He's an amazing man of God. Such an incredible man. Um, person to have in our church family. We just honor you, John, and just thank you for your faith and for your courage and the fact that love looks like something around your life uh, that you encourage, and especially around men uh, in this church. You have had a phenomenal impact, so thank you so much, John. All right, let me welcome up Ella Gray. She's come to share. Put our hands together. Let's welcome Ella. Hi, guys. Um, so I have a conference testimony that I want to share um, I actually had two that me and Debbie were like going up between which one we were to share um, and this one is around thankfulness so I was like you know what kind of fits Thanksgiving Sunday makes sense um, so for conference I went into conference obviously with expectations that God was going to move however I was kind of like I was like God's going to move in our church I was like he's not going to do too much in my life I was like you know me and God have been on a pretty long journey this year we've like gone through a whole bunch of stuff like we're good we've done enough like he's done for the year like you know I can't take anymore um and so I went into the first night and we had had the whole day of leadership conference and for whole of conference I was producing the services so I kind of had just like I feel like the leadership summit I kind of just spent the day being like okay I need this to be right because I'm kind of a perfectionist when it comes to being on time schedules um and I so I was very much like okay I was like I'm, I've got room for Holy Spirit to move but I need this to like go how I want it to go um and then we got to the night service and I realized that that's all I had spent the leadership summit doing and I was like oh dang it I was like why did I do that um so we were we had were in worship for the first night so the Friday night and I was kind of just paying attention to how great it sounded because I loved the amount of things we had on stage and I was like you know what sounds so good um and then we I yeah, we'd done praise, and, you know, I've been praising, and I was like, thank you, Jesus, but I realized I wasn't doing it with the right heart posture. Um, and so I took a moment when we were in our first worship song, and I was like, okay, I was like, I'm at this conference, and I was like, I know that's, like, so much cool stuff is going to happen. I don't want to miss out. And I was like, I don't want to not be expectant because I actually want to expect God to do something. And so I just took a moment, and I just stood there still, which is not something I usually do, um, I just can't be still in worship or praise. And I stood there still and I closed my eyes and I was like, God, I want you to show me something new. I was just like, God, I want you to show me more of your heart. Um, just kind of being like, you know, let's see what happens. Um, and then next thing I knew, God was like, God, real intense. Um, he, I like felt the hand of Jesus wrap around my heart. And I was like, okay, this is back intense. Um, and then God just began to show me images of different things in our world that he doesn't like and things that like break his heart. And each time he'd show me one, they'd get more intense, like not pretty. Um, and each time he'd show me one, he like the hand of Jesus would just squeeze my heart and it got like more painful, but it wasn't like it wasn't painful in the way that you'd think it was painful. It was more painful as in, like, my heart is literally breaking right now. Um, and then each time, Jesus would just be like, if that hurts your heart, how much do you think it hurts mine? And I was like, oh. I was like, um, yeah, that's fair. Like, this must really, really suck. And then I, so this probably happened about, like, 
10 times while I was just standing right there in worship. And I was kind of like, I was in shock because I wasn't expecting this to happen. And then um, right at the end, this is like what got me the most is when God just turned around. He was like, everything I showed you happened as I showed you it. Like it was happening somewhere in the world as you like. And I was like, I'm standing here in this conference, like, and these things are happening. And he was like, some of them are happening in your community. And I was like, all right. Um, And I kind of, it took me a while to be like, I, I was like, okay, that's God's heart. And I wanted him to show me more of his heart. But I also was like, why did you show me that? I was like, why did you show me more of your heart? And then we, um, Debbie actually jumped up on stage and was like, like she was just like super on fire. And she's like, I feel like we need to just give thanks to God right now. And I was like, no. I was just like, I can't. I was like, no, no, thank you. Like, I'm fine. I'm just going to chill down the front. And she was like, and then like was really like emphasizing it. There was a couple of times where she made real strong eye contact with me in that moment as well. And I was like, she talking to me? Um, and I was just like, I felt God be like, you need to give thanks. And I was like, what do I give thanks for right now? I was like, I was like, how do I give thanks in this moment where you've just shown me so much stuff? And I'm like, how am I supposed to be thankful for anything when that's happening in our world right now? Um, but... I did because I know that when you don't want to give thanks and when you don't want to praise God is when you need to praise God. And so I was like, fine. I just stood there and I was like, thank you, Jesus. Kind of being like, with no, like, nothing in what I was saying. And then I just began to thank him more and I began to thank him for the circumstances and began to thank him for the fact that although he showed me all of these things, it's going to be for a reason. And although he showed me all these things that have, like, break, that have been breaking my heart, it was for a purpose, and there was something he was calling me out to do with each of these images. Um, and it wasn't easy to give thanks to him in that moment. It was actually extremely difficult. Um, but I, like, after the service, I felt pretty wrecked. Like, I felt like I had had, like, a heart attack or something because my chest just kept on, like, squeezing. Like, my heart just kept on squeezing right through the service as I was trying to, like, do a lot of stuff. And I was like... Right, and I went home, and I was just kind of like, oh yeah, whatever, and I kind of like, I told a few people about what had happened, but I didn't ever register the thankfulness part of it, Um, and then I was actually prepping a message to share at youth at the end of last term, and Mitch had asked me to share a testimony from conference, and I was like, oh yeah, I have a few, like, let's see, and then I felt like God wanted me to share this, and I was like, yeah, it's a cool story. I was like, you sure it's not going to freak out our youth? But like, I was like, it's a cool story, but I don't understand what like the testimony side of it is. I was like, I don't understand what I am wanting people to get out of it. Um, and I spent about a week and a half just being like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to preach about. And then we were at Sunday night, um, one of the prayer services on a Sunday night, and I was standing up there and all of a sudden God just began to download everything. And I realized that he was showing me that what I learned in that moment was that actually, although I didn't want to give thanks, but when I gave God thanks, it was preparing the way for him to move, that giving thanks actually prepares the way for God to move. Um, and then I went on to the um, Bible app and like the verse of the day was, I don't actually have it here, but it was something, actually I have it in here, um, was... Psalm 50, um, verse 23, which is, He who sacrifices thanks offerings honors me, and he prepares the way so that I may show him the salvation of God. And I was like, all right. Um, But over 
that whole testimony, like I definitely have not been the same since because I've noticed like even the smallest injustice, I'm just like, wow, like and my heart hurts every time that there's something I see that I'm not happy with and that I know that breaks God's heart in that moment. Um, and it was just so cool to see more of the way that God like views the different things that are happening in our world. But yeah. Ella, just love the faithfulness that you, um, just with carrying that as well, carrying that testimony, that is not an easy thing to, um, to ask God to, to show, I mean, we can all ask God to show us his heart, but then to actually, for him to actually do that, and then to steward that, and continue to steward that, and I just think there's something, there's a couple of things out of that, first of all, just the power of thanksgiving, and I love what that verse said about it, releasing salvation, and just for each one of us, just just to recognize that as we give thanks, um, you know, we're making that way for God to release salvation into our lives, but also into the lives of those around us, and into those situations um, that his heart is breaking for, but also with what Ella was sharing as well, just um, for each one of us to maybe to to dare to pray those kind of prayers, God, God, show me your heart. God, show me your heart for, maybe we can't quite pray, show me your heart for the world yet, but maybe it's show me your heart for this region or show me your heart um, for my neighbor. But yeah, let's be, let's be, let's kind of just take that testimony and be ones that, that claim that for ourselves as well. Because, you know, we cannot, it's, it's one thing to kind of, to do the stuff, but if we don't have love, if we don't have God's heart, you know, like the, like the verse says, you know, will be just like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Yes, we want to reach our world, but we want to do it with that heart of love that comes from God. So let's just be ones to ask him for that. And um, we're just going to just check out the screen again for another amazing testimony. And this one is from Charlotte, an amazing testimony about freedom. So let's just have a look. Um, so the beginning of my journey with God started in August last year. Um, it was around my birthday. Um, I had had a flatmate that I lived with at the time, Narelle. She comes to church with us. And um, she had started expressing more of her um, time with God and had started poking me a lot. And I was really resistant prior to that. I had been doing a lot of new age stuff and I had actually been in and amongst a lot of occult practices. Um, I was doing readings for people and going along to expos and things. And I was finding myself um, in a really interesting place spiritually and Narelle had kept saying to me like come spend some time with Jesus and I had found that she kept saying it, it kept wearing me down and um, eventually I went to church with her and we went along to church and then I found that once I had done that slowly he started to work on me. Once we started talking about God I had noticed that slowly like small things in my life had started changing and that I had started redirecting myself. Um, I started going along to church with her and trying to give it a go and then I found that it's just started changing my mindset. There were small things that became a lot easier. Um, and then I had started to go back and forth. I had struggled a little bit with it and towards the end of the year. And then I found out in September that I had actually been diagnosed with a degenerative disc disease. I found out last year that I will eventually have to rely solely on mobility assistance because towards my eventually my back will deteriorate so rapidly that I will need to rely on being in a wheelchair. Um, I also have osteo and rheumatoid arthritis, which means that the discs and the joints in my back are degenerating at quite a rapid pace and that I'm 31 years old and that I actually have a 65 year old spine in my back. Um, 
that was really intimidating hearing that because I have two young children and a family. Um, it was incredibly strange and I must admit that having someone stand in front of you and say that your entire life and your independence and the shape of it will change, that really hurt my soul a lot. Um, I found that I struggled when I was told that with going back and forth a lot with suicidal thoughts. I really struggled with accepting the fact that I had a vessel and I felt really, I guess, ripped off because I was so frustrated. I became really frustrated with myself. I became a little frustrated and confused with God, but at the same time, it was a really interesting journey that he took me on and being able to learn to manage that because he taught me a lot of grace. Um, before coming and finding God and before learning about Jesus, I was an incredibly fast-footed person. I used to do things on a whim. I used to act quite irresponsibly. I spent a lot of time when I was younger taking drugs and drinking a lot um, and spending a lot of time partying. I made a lot of poor choices and did a lot of things really quickly. And um, when I got sick, God showed me that my feet had been cut off. And at first I was really hurt by it. Uh, it kind of did some really weird things to me on the inside because at first I thought I was being, um, at first I thought I was being punished. And at first I couldn't wrap my head around the idea that I went from thinking that what was wrong with my back would be a quick solution. I had had two years of struggling with my back going out on and off. And it had been two years of waking up every day and to this day, I still wake up with chronic pain. I quite often can't sleep for longer periods of time. But I had started finding myself going full Quasimodo in September, and that was the final push for them to actually look into what was wrong with me. And when they discovered it, it was really interesting. I had sort of a sense of relief, but also my heart was really broken because I was like, cool, I have to change lots of things now. My life is going to change. Um, I didn't know what to do with that, and I was so stuck. And it got to a point where there were a few weeks there where I was really worried that um, every morning I woke up and I couldn't cope with the idea of the level of pain that I was like experiencing. And some days I just would wake up and I just wish it would stop and that everything would be done. I started quarantine off and lockdown and I spent my time in quarantine sitting in a wheelchair. Um, I put my back out like a week before we went into lockdown and I couldn't get up again and I couldn't stand. So I had to spend eight weeks in my home navigating around my children and getting them to know and familiarized with the idea of seeing me sitting down. And it was interesting. God gave me a lot of grace over those eight weeks of sitting because I'm an impatient person. And you could imagine being sat in a chair and having to navigate doing just little tasks. But it got towards the end of quarantine and I'd started realizing that I wasn't as angry about it anymore and that I had started to feel a little less resentful and the bitterness had slowly subsided. We had started leaning in a lot to God and not just myself, but my family had started spending time with actually talking to Jesus and getting to know and forming our relationships with him. And um, it was funny because that image that he had showed me of cutting off my feet, he's slowly given that back to me. My feet have been restored. He showed me recently that my journey with him was really interesting. I, um, like I said, I used to be an impatient person and and I stopped and then I realized that like actually my driving had changed a lot lately. People kept comment on, commenting on it. They were like, Charlotte, you're not as impatient or you're not as erratic. You're not like 10 minutes late because you've not like been prepared and then you've gotten in the car and you've had to speed or race somewhere. They were like, I was becoming more calculated and calm and I was becoming more thoughtful with my decisions. And then God showed me that it was actually just because 
When we are born, we are given vessels and they're like vehicles. And we're given rule book and guides on how to drive, on the speed limit, on how to take care of ourselves and other people while we do it. And um, I had been, before I had found God, like operating my vehicle at a ridiculous rate. I wasn't driving by the speed limit. I wasn't listening to the rules. I was impatient. And then God came and chopped my feet off, figuratively, obviously. But he sat me still in a wheelchair for eight weeks while I had to sit and think about like the shape that my life would take and what I wanted. He showed me that actually it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be because he gave me a platform for being able to share with so many people because I felt like my person and my vessel and my vehicle was out of control. It actually wasn't that at all. It was that God put a pause, took away my old person because she was too fast-footed and she wasn't doing things correctly. And he took something that was a part of me that was always there and he used it to reshape my person because he gave me new characteristics and being able to deal with the fact that like we're given circumstances all the time but they're not always the way that we think they're going to be but God makes it okay no matter what you do because the thing is is like when you lean into stuff so many better things come from it and I didn't realize that before I had never I'd been highly atheistic before that I'd never known God and then all of a sudden it was something I couldn't ignore anymore and it's such a powerful voice in my head now that that's all that there is. My whole life has become about that. Not just my life, but the people that I love. And I've started sharing that with them. I share it with my children. I share it with my person. I share it with my family, even my family who don't believe in God. I'm still quite happy to sit there and have a conversation and then remind them that I'm praying for their salvation anyway and it doesn't matter because it's fine. But God did like an amazing thing in my life because I would never have been okay with being told any of that stuff about myself if I didn't have some sense of faith to believe in, otherwise it would have made it impossible and I probably wouldn't have been here. So I'm so grateful for God because that's the thing. He gave me a reason and a purpose and since then, he's given me so many purposes on top of that because it turns out that I was just supposed to be a hard warrior for Jesus the whole time. And yeah. So good. I love that closing statement that she was just meant to be a hard warrior for Jesus the whole time. It's such an incredible story of Charlotte's uh, life over the last year and the process of salvation that God's actually outworking in every dimension of who we are. Um, and he is, in, you're in process with Jesus right now. Uh, last week we actually celebrated Charlotte got baptized here. And so that is so awesome seeing his, his work. And I love um, Ephesians 2.10 that says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works for which God has prepared in advance for us to do. You know, your life is actually, and that word uh, workmanship is actually like linked with work of art. Um, our life in his hands can become something so different in the space of just a month, just a day, just a year, if we give our lives fully to Him. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date.